0: Hello, Spawn Point listeners. Been a while, huh? Uh, Excuse the, I don't know, three, four year absence. If you're still subscribed to this feed at this point, then I mean, really, I admire your staying power. The commitment is real. Um, Yeah, obviously, uh, we had uh, a bit of a time there, didn't we? 2020, 2021. Um, The combination of a second baby and a pandemic completely uh, nixed all of my free time. And it's Bomb point I loved doing. It was, you know, I think it's a good podcast. I love all the episodes we did, um, but it did not survive the pandemic. However, good news. We're back, baby. It is coming back in a new form. And rather than just me interviewing different developers and other people in the gaming world about... The relationship between gaming and parenting and how our relationship with games changes when we become parents, I have teamed up with my friend and former Kotaku colleague Patrick Klepek who writes a really amazing newsletter um, at the intersection of parenting and gaming called Crossplay. And we were thinking about doing a Crossplay podcast um, and me kind of showing up uh, to co-host on that and then we just thought why not put this together with all the people who are still subscribed to Spawn Point? because I think that you know, a lot of us have been navigating this uh, this world of parenting and gaming for a long time now, and the audiences will be, like, super complimentary to each other. So that's the idea. Look out for a new episode quite soon. Um, it's not quite the format it was before, uh, and uh, I think it's really fun, though. I think it's really good. I'm really pleased to be back talking about these topics and back in this space. It's very close to my heart, obviously. So, yeah, keep an ear out, and you will hear from me again soon.
1: and welcome to Spawn Point, a parenting and gaming podcast from the people behind Crossplay, a newsletter at the intersection of parenting and gaming. You can sign up to read and support Crossplay today by heading to crossplay.news. I am one of your co-hosts for this episode. I'm Patrick Klepik, a longtime video game reporter and founding editor of Crossplay, and most importantly, for the purposes of this podcast, a father of two young daughters uh, who like to play a lot of video games. And I'm joined by my co-host, Kaz McDonald, who, like me, Has spent an uncomfortable amount of time reporting about video games, (laughs) and also, as importantly, these days, a games editor at the Guardian. The mother of four and seven-year-old boys, and a stepmom to an eighteen-year-old. Keza, thank you for joining me.
0: Hello, Patrick. It's good to bring Spawn Point back after
1: (laughs) a casual four-year absence in a new form. (laughs) What so so? There's there will be an intro in which Keza will take a baton and like (laughs) hand it to this version of the podcast. We can also use this moment to explain a little bit about what's going on so this feed if all the technical stuff works its way out is adopting uh the spawn point feed that Keza had as a podcast um uh just i guess i could describe it in fits and starts for a, 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 a <laughs> I while i tried
0: i tried and then i had a second baby <laughs>
1: well what was what was spawn point and, and and then i can maybe pick that baton up and explain where we're at here
0: Spawn Point was a podcast project that I started after I had my first baby boy, um, and I was uh, really aware suddenly that a lot of the you know I've been I've been a games journalist by like you know I've been a games journalist for nearly twenty years so I've been doing the job a long time by that point, point. and I really noticed that there just was not much in the way of parenting and gaming content, like for parents who play games, there was a lot of like, oh, here's what not to let your kid play. Or like, here's a guide to understanding Minecraft. But there was very little that was like, here is just like people who love video games, who have children talking about how the hobby changes and how you then have so much more to fit into your life suddenly. And I felt like quite, quite alone. But then I had all these conversations with all sorts of people working in games, friends of mine who had the same kind of issues. Like suddenly they just didn't have time for games in the way they used to. So I thought I'd start a podcast about it. And what it was briefly <laughs> was, um, <laughs> it was a series of interviews with um, game developers and other people who were themselves gamers, and how their relationship with games um, changed as they became parents. And it was great, and I got lots of fantastic feedback. And then I had a second baby, as I mentioned. And uh, on top of it that, never we also... interviewed
1: me crucially. <laughs> um, you you were on the list to be on the podcast. <laughs>
0: This is it. Like I had about, I had about ten really good, had about ten really good interviews lined up, and then um, two things happened: second baby, and then pandemic. And yes. there just wasn't. A, after that, it was just not. Um, and no, my, my second child is now four, and finally, finally, there is time <laughs>
1: <So> be, <laughs> to record between, a podcast. <laughs> yes, between
0: two really busy parents, we can record one podcast.
1: <laughs> That's the end. So. So for me, uh, you know, uh cross play, uh was an idea I've been noodling around with that I suddenly was thrust into actually making a reality when uh like many people in media these days, my my job was r- rudely taken from me uh by the fine folks uh at Vice Media. Uh and as a result of that, while uh, on one hand taking the project that was Waypoint, the the gaming website I was helping run within Vice, I found myself wanting to talk about my children, uh, the interactions I was having with technology and video games, my struggle as a parent to continue engaging with the medium at the level that I had done um, in, in so many years, decades prior. And it didn't really neatly line up with the audience we had at Waypoint uh, nor the audience we were sort of transplanting to to Remap, which is the other new project that, that I've got going with the, the folks I ran Waypoint with. And not that there aren't parents there, but mm-hmm. what I wanted was to not feel like I was shoehorning it into a conversation. None of my other co-hosts have parents or that they, sure they have parents. <laughs> <laughs> very tragic. I don't, I, I don't deeply know. tragic I'm situation. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a very sad <laughs> situation. None of them are, are parents themselves. That's totally fine, but It makes it where I'm explaining stories about being a parent to people who can't necessarily relate on that level. And my thought was, maybe there is a community I can start where it's based around this shared interest, whether you are a parent or a cool aunt or uncle or a brother, or like, essentially like you orbit around kids in some way. um, And you'd like to read some writing, some commentary, some investigative reporting about that. And so that's what birthed uh crossplay um about six months ago. And the entire time I wanted to do a podcast that was attached to that, that was not particularly long, um, that like was relatable for the same parts of uh the writing and the commentary that also extended to the to the podcast. And I was like, well, hopefully an idea for that podcast will fall into my lap. And then Thankfully, like literally it fell into my lap in that like right around the time where I was getting serious about it, Keza reached out uh about uh collaborating and doing something and then had this feed that already existed. And so that's what brings us to to today. Um, after importantly, I should mention, uh, you've been sick for the better part of <laughs> Two weeks, or rather, everyone uh, has been has been sick. What what has been your journey for the last couple oh, of mate, weeks here, cousin? It's
0: the classic, like little children in school and nursery bringing home every single imaginable illness. Actually, Patrick, before we do that, I am not seeing my audio coming up in the little like when you're I speak. Good. I'm not. Is it's it good? on my side? It's Sweet. a little quirk
1: of the. It's the not service showing we use, me, and I just you're... thought
0: before we talk for an hour, I better mention that. Okay, <laughs> no, well. you're
1: all you're all <laughs> set. Thank you for double checking <laughs> right. though.
0: Once again. Yeah, it's the classic uh, little kids bringing home every imaginable illness from school and nursery. And uh, the one thing that continually amazes me as a parent is the Victorian ass illnesses that you end up picking <laughs> up. It's like you know you, you've got scarlet fever or like impetigo, whatever the hell that is, and uh, so
1: on. So yes, I've, I've uh, well, my, my kid's foot and mouth sounds like something people died of a hundred years ago. It would probably well, was. they probably did. But um, uh, it, when you tell people, it's one of those. There are a handful of phrases you can tell to a person that doesn't have a lot of familiarity with kids, whether they're a parent or just uh, uh, are not around kids in general. And then you say, oh, man, head, hand, foot, and mouth. And then you <laughs> say that. It sounds like you told them you have, like, stage four cancer. Like, yeah, oh, medieval, I, oh we're going to lose you next week. <laughs> like, that fast? Hand, foot, and mouth? <laughs>
0: yeah it's like it sounds like leprosy doesn't it um but yeah we all had flu and then we all had norovirus so the two the two classics oh, of, of the winter and the thing about
1: norovirus is it's so wildly contagious like oh, one, yeah? once once it enters a space like a daycare i know they put signs up and you should wash your hands the thing is <laughs> you're four. <laughs> what, what you're for um we're happy if like you don't have like poop come like dangling out of out of your paint. like oh you tried to wipe you shouldn't do that you're four i know that like you have the hand-eye coordination to get there but you don't actually know if it's all gone like this is an important <laughs> distinction at this age but but norvice is just once it's in the space that your kids are in all you're hoping for at that point is that you're lucky enough to be spared yeah. let alone uh it, it, th- washing your hands is not going to stop Norovirus from no, wh- making, it, making its way through.
0: Clearing up all of the things that Norovirus results in, you're mm-hmm, like, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's not really any escaping this now. Um, <laughs> as, re- as a result of that, though, we had like way, way, way too much screen time, which I always enjoy. I enjoy when there's an excuse, it Because we were all so sick, we couldn't go out, we couldn't do anything for ages. So um, we literally just stayed at home and played Pokemon <laughs> for like a week.
1: I, f- I, f- I feel like that is... Um you know, something that a lot of people encountered over COVID, right? Which Mm -hmm. was if you had daycares closed, if you're doing remote learning, uh, whatever the case might be, depending on your kid's age and situation. But at least, you know, different places opened up in semi-open ways over time over that first year. But at least for, I don't know, six months, everyone was roughly in the same boat, which is just Mm -hmm. in your house, Maybe you can go to the park. They closed the parks for a they long time. They closed our
0: parks to no play parks. Like they just because, were completely shut. Because at that,
1: we thought it was uh, norovirus. We thought it was like, you know, wash your hands. Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. Turn, we, we thought it was...
0: Oh, man. I, I remember, like, after months and months of uh, suffering under lockdown, with at the time, uh, same as you, I had like a newborn and a three year old. Mm-hmm. And, like, nobody, we didn't have a garden. Like, I, li- I lived in the southeast of England, pal. We did not have a garden. Like, we. We had five people in like a 2.5 bedroom basement flat, my teenage stepson as well. And after after like a few months of that, I was like, kids, we're breaking into the playground. We're we're going we're going on the (laughs) lamb. we're just we're breaking the law you know by that point it was fairly clear it was like an aerosol based illness and i'm like right okay Correct. i'm risking it i'm risking the slide god damn it i'm so bored <laughs> <laughs> so we, we like hopped the fence into the local play park and we got such stairs from around i'm telling you people jogging oh, by well, that's,
1: like i mean that happened i was on the reverse end of that one time where we had gone to a park while they had still kind of lagged on having the the closures catch up with the science. You know, I, I totally understood why all that stuff was closed in the beginning, especially with young kids. Like, yeah, we didn't know; we had no idea. Vi- viruses like this used to be the kind of thing that what they targeted was young children and killed them immediately. <laughs> right. The, the the interesting thing about COVID was that it was much more dangerous for 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 the elderly than it was for the youngest among us. And but we didn't know that. We, we didn't know. We didn't know. But we saw a park and someone. Was violating the rules much like Keza, and <laughs> I. Uh, but then it was tough for me because my, my kids are like, well, can we go over there? It's like, no, we're not rule breakers like them. <laughs> my oldest was like, I want to be a rule breaker. I'm like, let's get out of here. We gotta go. We gotta go somewhere else. But it, in some ways, it was like, well, what I do know is that we we're trying to avoid being around people. So I guess that yeah. family has staked a claim on the park. It's like one family at a time, right? Can right. Can use the can use the yeah. park. I guess it was is where definitely turn
0: taking. There ended up being like an informal turn around the summer of that year. It was like, for God's sake, this is ridiculous because they they were they mm-hmm. were starting to allow adults to go out and go to the pub, but only if you were outside. So it's like, right? So adults can go to the pub, but,
1: but the children kids can't, can't go, go down, to down the, a slide. Well, park. Like, it was really on. silly. It yeah. was
0: ridiculous. But there we are. I do think that during COVID, um, a lot of people who didn't already play video games. Suddenly had them very much in their face in their homes because their children were, you know, like were at school all day and now we're playing Fortnite all day. And so like a lot of I know a lot of parents um, who at the time were like, I've never really paid any attention to what my kids are playing and because they weren't into games themselves. But then they were suddenly confronted with like, firstly, the social importance of those games um, to their kids. Um, but secondly, also, they were actually looking at what their children were playing and, and maybe participating and taking it up as well for the first time. I thought that was a really interesting random side effect of lockdown. It really brought video games into the lives of lots of people who'd kind of avoided
1: them before. No, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's totally, that's totally fair. Did during that period, like, you know, my kid at the time was, uh, geez, we're like, man, we're gonna, we're gonna head to four years on, on COVID. I lined that up with my my youngest because she was born at the end of March um <laughs> but so my my oldest was three and a half um where what was like how did that pivot to well screen time's not really a thing or rather it's not that it's not a thing it's your relationship to screens and screen time fundamentally shifted because of the circumstances we were in and you know uh on co- crossplay many times I figured the uh, featured the work of um uh, uh, this creator on Instagram called the Gamer educator, uh, Ash Brandon. And one of their core tenants is your relationship screen time should be can be beneficial in different ways. some mm. to the person who is engaging with the screen and possibly to the person who is benefiting from the person being engaged with the screen, which is to say, if you'd like to make dinner and the only way that you're going to be able to get 45 minutes to yourself is to have your kid in front of a screen, whether it's a tablet or a switch or a TV, Maybe that has exceeded the, quote, screen time you've allotted for that child that day. But that screen is functioning as a tool for you to accomplish a task that betters the lives of you and betters the life of your child. Because screen time is not an arbitrary, you hit a number and then it's good or or bad. Right. But, right
0: like the idea I, that, that minute 46 is inherently more harmful than minute 44, you know, it's
1: it's... Right, right. But so how did that change for 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 you like both like your own relationship with green time and then how you were managing it with your kids and and uh like when it suddenly became we're inside all the time playing pokemon all
0: yeah. the time Yeah I th- I think I did have like the I think I had the same um I, my first child I was like I think I don't think he watched a movie until he was like 3 you know, like he played <laughs> with like delightful wooden toys, and it, everything was like nicely arranged. And like I was, I was really, uh, you know, I was able to basically spend a lot of time. Like when we watch TV, we'd watch it together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As soon as I had a sure. second one, it was like, oh my god, how, how do I how do I survive like this? So it was like first one in front of the TV while I you know fed, changed, etc. The second it was just you know so that the, suddenly and then COVID on top of that we went from being you know I would say like I was we're, we're pretty good with screen time in that like we when we were watching TV and stuff, we were doing it together. And then we suddenly became, you know, like most, like most families, we were just like, Oh, help. What are we going to do? So we ended up like movies became a thing. Like my my youngest child is amazing at sitting in front of the TV for ages, like (laughs) because he's been doing it since he was two months old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in his bouncer because yeah, like, we, we, we all have skills apart. right yeah. uh, Like we just don't
1: know how they're going to manifest as you get older
0: yeah so like we, we obviously like you know post pandemic when school came back and everything it's you know naturally re- readjusted itself and i'm i'm not one of the, i'm not one of those parents who's like super super worried about how much screen time my kids are having however i am personally pretty strict about what they're doing so like youtube's banned in my house um, just because I don't have the, I don't have the ability to monitor monitor it. We're two working parents in our house, you know, we can't be watching what they're doing all the time. YouTube in itself is fine, but obviously there's loads of stuff on it that's either just garbage or not child appropriate so like instead of having to monitor it all it's easiest for us to just go no that's that's that games wise like really only in the last six months my kids been old enough my little kids been old enough to enjoy games and really engage with them which has been lovely um and like the relationship that we all have now with uh with games is very much it's a family activity um, aside from, you know, stuff on the iPad, sometimes mostly it's a family activity. And I think that that's like when people, when people get, um, concerned about how much screen time kids are having, I don't think that really there's a difference these days between like screen time and time. It's just, it's, it can be family time, whether you're playing Pokemon together or whatever else you're doing. Um, and I think that that's something that people were sort of f- almost forced to confront over COVID that games game time for older kids is social. And for younger kids can be family time as well. And I've noticed a real change in attitude just generally from like outside the gaming world. I've noticed a real change of attitude to like how much time kids are spending on their games and what they're doing there. I, no- I noticed like a real shift of understanding just from people being confronted with it. Um, but yeah, we well, did. I think, uh, s-
1: s- some, some of that has to do with how we interact with the devices these days, right? Like when mm. you and I were growing up, uh, television, movies, video games all took place on televisions and televisions are sort of inherently communal because they're an object in a broader space. Now you may be sitting and facing it and maybe you were lucky enough to have a TV in your room, uh, you know, eventually. But, for, but, for, <laughs> but for a lot of people, it was like in a family room or a living room, right? Like it was yeah. in a space to be shared with other people. I dreamed so- about having
0: a TV in my room, man. Like
1: <laughs> I did not get one until much, much later. Yeah, it was a um, 90s dream, that, wasn't it? I think at that point it was my, my, my dad was just, he didn't get the TV for me. I think he got the TV to get my brother and I like out of his space. It was like, (laughs) the TV is for you to get the F out. It's not necessarily (laughs) a benefit for for the two of you. But, you know, a a TV, you can easily interrupt. You can talk to somebody. You can engage in other activities while the television is on. Tablets, phones, portable devices like the Switch, um, a lot of the devices that I read about in Crossplay. I'm sure a lot of stuff that, you know, your kids interact with a lot of kids interact with are kind of inherently isolating because mm. you're holding them close to your face. Um, you're kind of doing it on your own in a way that is kind of fundamentally different from a television. And so I think there are lots of parents who probably grew up with kind of unrestricted time related to video games, but some of, somehow still have a hang up about how much time their kids or the kids around them might be spending on these screens, on these devices. And I do think some a contributing factor to that is the, the kind of isolating feel that individualized tablets and phones and portable devices have that is different than a TV that's in the center of a room.
0: It's a very good point. Like I think that So, I mean, I've raised uh, my stepson who's 18 now. Uh, He was very much the guinea pig generation for iPads and smartphones, right? Like smartphones were around when they came out when he was like four or five. You know, I think he was playing games on the iPad around the age of five or six because me and my partner were early tech adopters, unsurprisingly for people who work in video games. And um, it was like very different. I think it's a very different um, world, Uh, especially back then. It was obviously now there's a lot of really good time controls, child controls, parental controls on all these devices back then, there just were not, none of that was a thing. And also, you know, now that the, the sort of, you know, concerns that people have about social media and things for teenagers and for tweens, like all that's like very well publicized now, pretty much most people know about it. Again, for him, not something that people were even particularly aware of, you know, um, in the in the time when he was a, a young teenager, it was, uh, everyone had a phone and everybody had unrestricted access to most things. And Only if you were a particularly tech aware parent, um, did you even really like understand what was going on um but i do think like with uh you know i i try really hard not to not to fear the new i really really try but it's so hard isn't it as a parent if you're like what they're it comes doing for
1: us all it, comes it, for it us does all. it doesn't matter like it's i grew really up with funny. technology and video games you are going to reach a line in the sand in yeah. which you're old and you don't understand <laughs> or at least fully understand the things that your kids and and it, it, that's I think that's natural because this is technology services interactions that are like part of their lives in a way that it is not for, no, for, like, for us. And so you, the best you can do is just engage with it and understand where they're coming from. So at least when you build rules around it or restrictions or have interactions with it, at least it comes from an informed place. As opposed Exactly. To just, I don't understand this thing. So we're just, we're just not going to do it. Uh, We're just not going to do this. And that's, and that's how you lead to a lot of tension with your kids.
0: Yeah. And like a place of understanding of mutual understanding is what you're hoping for. Like, obviously sometimes in the, in the latest crossplay, um, you were chatting to Mark Serrell's who's banned Roblox for his 10 year old. And you know, was surprised that when he had a chat with his 10 year old about it, he was almost like relieved. Like the kid was almost like relieved to be, to have the burden of trying to moderate himself on Roblox removed. Like the parent had come in and put in a limit. And as much as he wasn't happy with it, at first, there was almost an element of like, oh, well, at least like this this child's not then spending so much energy trying to trying to like manage his compulsion with Roblox, you know? And um, yeah, what you're hoping for is a place of mutual understanding. Um, but obviously, like, especially depending on the age of your kids, it's not always going to be that way. There's definitely no mutual understanding about the ban on YouTube in my house, for instance. <laughs> my seven-year-old is adamant that that's a terrible, terrible idea. He's like, you don't understand. I'm like, no, mate, the problem is I do understand
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you have not – so we, we differentiate in our house between YouTube Kids and YouTube mm. um, because we have found that the uh, restrictions, the gating on YouTube Kids is not perfect but is good enough for us to feel broadly okay with choosing in the age gaps that they – are like kind of the, the – you know, like I forget exactly what groups you're what you're bucketing your kids into – but I spent a lot of time when my oldest first got onto that, watching it with her and then mm-hmm. eventually felt more or less okay. Or or when we were getting to a point where things were sort of weird, she was old enough to start understanding like something was odd, but it, I've never had like no Nazis have shown up in like, YouTube, <laughs> and YouTube kids. kids. Yeah. Um. I mean, there are certainly odd videos, but they're odd in the way that is a safe, a safe kind of odd. But I, I think if you can manage to, hold the line on that stuff till your kids are mature enough to like better engage with the platform. That is that's a really healthy way to 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 go about it.
0: Yeah. And like the fact is, right, we live in an age of there being just endless, endless, endless options for entertainment, right? Like they can uh watch it, we have in, in the UK we have the BBC. They have like a B mm-hmm. kids BBC iPlayer where it's just like decades worth of really lovely kids children's tv that's been created for children moderated by someone obviously because it's been published by, by a broadcaster um there's that there's like they have every nintendo game in the world they have no idea how lucky they are you know they have a uh, uh, just Netflix, they have Disney Plus. There's so many things that they can be doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you need to watch this 1.5 hour prank video? Like, do you need to do like when there's so the many. it's the one other thing things.
1: you're saying no to, right? Exactly I mean, that's so that's that a universal it. truth for when we were kids, and absolutely, like that is like the thing that you're saying. No, to is the one that's going to feel like the treat that's that's out of reach and like yes. why why am I not allowed to have that one
0: always and as we you know as we talked about on our little uh, secrets secret practice episode we did a wee bar for subscribers
1: that'll still go out to people yeah, there is a secret long kind of intro episode make sure we Kind of around the same same page about things, and just kind of do a, a practice run through that. I'll give people the the episode zero of the, Sweet. Of the podcast. To if listen people to
0: listen as to as that, well. they will hear the full story of how very anti video games my own parents were, and of course <laughs> how well that worked in terms of moderating yeah, exactly. my interest.
1: Watch your kid, years your kid later. is going to be a YouTube creator. I feel like <laughs> exactly. they become the thing that you try and stop them to be, and so. Uh, uh that'll be your 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 ticket to to wealth uh yes uh, Uh, i'm looking forward to that your kid becomes a youtube creator
0: that'll be great you know what i actually once interviewed the a a bunch of mums of some of the like some like particularly successful british youtubers like there was this kid i think his name was benji fishy but he was like fortnite champion and uh, his mum was like super all about it like she was kind of helping manage it and you know she was really i felt really it was really nice to see how she uh like supported her kind of 14, 15 year old boy in something that a lot of parents would think was a waste of time. It was really cool. And then I interviewed um, uh, a, a couple of other mums of like the side men who are really, really famous British YouTubers. And they were just so proud. But, you know, some of these some of these people have been bought houses by their kids. So here you go. Like <laughs> <if you're, laughs> Really, no matter what it is, like someone somewhere will prove that it can be a worthwhile thing, that you, you know.
1: It's true. It's true. Um, well, I think maybe this is a good pivot point to. Uh, uh, I wanted to have a segment where we kind of talk about what our what our kids are playing uh, right now. The one that I am really struggling in the general. Tie, it ties together two sort of things. I wrote I wrote in our document <laughs> endless <laughs> new shitty kids games. Uh, parentheses youngest, and then also Roblox youngest is now interested oldest is approaching reading comprehension so what kind of ties those together is uh and i'm sh- i'm sure you see this dynamic in in your own home is wanting to put in restrictions based on age comprehension uh like understanding of what they're engaging with personality also the, too and personality but also the very understandable desire to do what the sibling is doing. Oh yeah, um, and so you know, Roblox enters our home <clears throat> during COVID because my oldest uh makes friends with a neighborhood kid, and they can't hang out indoors. And so when it's not fun to hang outdoors, she asked if he she could play Roblox, and I was like, eh, that um, okay. <laughs> I want you to have a friend. I'm going to figure out Roblox, and I figured out Roblox, and we made rules like no Robux and other things like that. So I felt at least turned off like the chat, turned off friends, you know, or like friends had to be approved through me. And like, I found a way to navigate through feeling okay with it. Um, And that's been fine. I haven't had to say no to that. Like Mark Serrell's did. Like <laughs> it hasn't fundamentally changed my kid's personality in a way that I like worry about. Like we set up uh, the rules have functioned to keep it as an appropriate uh, thing for my kid to, to engage with. Insofar as I accept that Roblox is an exploitative platform doing its best <laughs> to extract from my child. I've, she's, I've tried she's resisting up, well.
0: She's resisting well, bless her.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and, but now my youngest has finally, like normally isn't tracking what's happening on the other iPad, but now very much is. And so she's like, well, can I play Roblox? Like the the UI in this stuff is a nightmare. It's it's tough for me to, to navigate. And I, have been navigating good and bad UIs and video games for my entire life, right? Um, and it's. I eventually like I you know I have a, a Roblox account that I, I I will play with my kid, and so I I had that set up on on my youngest tablet, and she has to play it with her sister, so that uh, I don't get asked every thirty seconds like how do I close this window because where is the X to like close something? And ultimately, all my youngest does with it is. She gets into a dressing room and wants to watch the clothes change. So she's basically just using it as a dollhouse thing, an extension of yeah. a lot of stuff the kids use uh on on the youngest stuff. But she the, the challenge we have is my oldest understands we've said no to to Robux. The only time she gets to buy anything in Roblox is if she gets a gift card from a birthday or or a holiday or she uses her own uh money to purchase one. Uh and otherwise it's no, it's a hard. No, like the stuff is worthless. And if you want to buy something worthless, you're using your own money to buy something worthless. Not, not my money. Yes. But, but the youngest, she's almost four. She doesn't understand that. So like, she's having real trouble with no and, uh, time constraints. Like we're just in a phase, like we are just in a phase and it's a really hard one. Our kid was not a terrible twos. It is a, we call it the three nature. Like it is just, she has been a really difficult emotional three-year-old. Um, and then you add in Roblox uh, uh, attempting microtransactions or what happens a lot of the time on mobile games is, she's like, I love Care Bears right now. All right, well, I found a Care Bear game. Well, in that Care Bear game, it really only exists to let uh-huh. you do one thing, and then everything else has a really cute lock on it. Yeah. Um, and you touch those locks, and they tempt you with, well, hey, Dad. <laughs> it's a seven-day trial. What could be wrong with that? If you don't read the fine print, if you don't set a reminder for yourself, all of a sudden you check your credit card and it's like, oh man, Like, turns out it's like a seven-day free trial and then like $49.99 yeah, literally, literally for the like year. Insane. And that's how they set up so many of these games that are explicitly for kids and then just essentially set a trap for the parents where the kids are going to be frustrated with the lack of interactions available to them. And then the parents are frustrated because unless they have like a web of string and red lines, how are they supposed to keep track of what they signed up for? What's a trial? What's a monthly? What's a yearly? What is just an outright in-app purchase that gets rid of the, you know, it's just, Uh, it's ridiculous. It's horrible. And it's fundamentally
0: the biggest difference between parenting now and parenting us like when we were little you bought a game and then you had a game you know yeah and you played the game until you were bored of it and then you got a new one and that's just not how games are designed to work now like even like especially i would say games for kids they're often designed with this like ongoing you know they're trying to get you back they're trying to kind of I, this is what i say to my seven-year-old i'm like they want your attention they're trying to get your attention like they're not there to entertain you necessarily they're not there to kind of give you kind of maximal enjoyment they're there to bring you back over and over and over again um, to, to get your attention. So we, we've, we've had to have like a lot of conversations about basically all games with ads in are now, are just now a no. Like I like I ha- I bought Apple Arcade. He's got an Apple Arcade subscription. And I'm like, there are 250 games in here. You can play any <laughs> of these 250 games that are age appropriate. You know, any, any one of them, they're all like, you know, again, high quality, they've been made with enjoyment. And of course he's like, no, all of these are terrible. I want to play this. <laughs> Infested,
1: they don't have the characters that I want. Yeah. and like that's all in the regular. Like I want to
0: play this yep. ad-infested, like you know, made in five minutes in Unity thing about arresting people at an airport. Obviously, that's what I want. <laughs> and I'm like, how? And then it'll come up with like an advert for nose jobs every 13 seconds. And you're like, this is so bad. Like it did not used to be like this. Like this kind of like, in, especially on uh, tablets and phones, right? This like insane, endless labyrinth of like ad-infested like highly monetized dopamine traps. Like it's when the ads aren't even
1: easy to, it's not, you know, an ad on a television is something you annoyingly sit through Mm -hmm. and then you get back to whatever you were watching. What's so infuriating about the ads on mobile devices is like the tap targets to even just, like even if my, like your kid is can sit through it. Like, I understand this is an ad. I'm watching this. I'm waiting for, an X or a variation of that to appear that will go away. And then I can go back. They deliberately make it so that you will tap on, like try to get rid of a thing, but tap on something that triggers like an app install or like tries to get you to put something in and it's, and it's, or, or like you have to hit one X, but then that makes another X appear somewhere else. And I just, I fundamentally don't understand how it's legal that you should be able to do that for like, when I go in the app store, it'll say four plus, but to navigate the ads is like 12 plus. Like right, it sh- right. This should be fundamentally like illegal to t- have ads that target and trick kids in that way. If the parent can't is confused on how to do it, how is it legal or approved by Apple or Google or whoever uh, or a regulating body? for a kid to have to navigate that it 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 really drives me up a wall
0: fully agree it's not just exploitative game design which in itself is i mean really you could argue that's not that different from how it was in arcades like put another quarter in you know like addictive slash compelling game design has kind of always existed and you know it's hard to resist games when you're young we all know this but this is like a whole new level it's not actually the game itself even which is itself like much more um much more intentionally designed to entrap attention to people. There's like, science I, I've behind this. it. like Literally. I, I, I've,
1: I've, I've talked Zinga. to friends that, <laughs> that, yeah, that like work, have worked in consulting on, you know, and, and interact with mobile game companies. And like they sit and, you know, like when they're designing UIs, like there are eye trackers on mm-hmm. the computers to see where, and in the most charitable reading of that, it is how do we make sure that people understand how to interact with the thing we're building? But what frequently it is weaponized for is to trick you into spending money to create tension between a parent and a child because the fastest way to get the kid to stop being upset is to pay the and it's always just small enough that's like, okay, I guess not, it's not a $70 game. Like we're not buying, you know, the the new Pokemon. Like it's six dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I spend six dollars on I'm not trying to hand wave six dollars is like not a meaningful amount of money, but like with a kid, you're constantly engaging in small amounts of money, whether oh, yeah, it's you're a buying, snack you're buying,
0: or yeah, something at the supermarket. You're like, Oh, just have this, just have it. just so, have this So for like s- tax,
1: $6 so that the locks to go away, but then you'll look back and it's like, I did that three times this week. Like mm. I, this is not something that is, is sustainable. And finding the, the fine line on that with your kids is um, it's really challenging, especially at the age my youngest is at where, she can't comprehend what's going on. I can't explain mm-hmm. to her what. She, yeah, you know there's what I mean? there's no. Like way. My, yeah, my uh, seven what year child old
0: stands a chance like against this kind of like, no. like you say, weaponized like um, game game, and not just game, but UI, and then. Uh, ad and everything else, like all of it is designed very, very specific. Like, what child stands a chance? You know, it's hard for us. I'm addicted to Monster Hunter now on my phone. <laughs> I really want to stop playing it. I managed to stop playing it for a few weeks, but I'm back there now and I'm like, literally, I'm just tapping. I'm just tapping on monsters and then they're falling over. I know it's not. Like, I played Monster Hunter on proper consoles for years. I know this isn't a real game, but it's just so it's just like, like tickles my brain a little bit and I, you know, and it's 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, and then you look and you're like, I've spent seven hours on that game this week. Like, that, that is clear. Completely- Complete
1: waste of time. <laughs> at least have spend a hundred dollars on it. At least you know you're doing something bad to yourself. Um, exactly. Which that's is what all, all you can like. That is that is the point of being an adult. Is you make those choosing, choices. You could choose. That. Yes, I'm <laughs> choosing to have this beer after midnight, knowing I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. Um, <laughs> on a on a positive note, I will say uh, a game we've had a lot of fun with is uh, Hidden Through Time to Myths and Magic. Uh, it just launched on. Switch and some other consoles. It's a hidden object game. There's lots of these, but um, it's set in like really cute environments, wizards, dragons, uh, things of that nature. And it's delightful to have uh, a hidden object game up on like a big television screen and then having my oldest pilot, the cursor, my youngest being able to participate by trying to find whatever we're looking for it's all wonderfully animated so it's not just a static image like you get in a in a book it's one of those instances where i my kids love hidden object games and the books are totally fine very engaging but it's when presented in a digital format like the little things they can do with interactivity or like click like being able to click on a roof and like then i get to see what's inside there and uh it's just really wonderfully done it runs like Utter garbage on um, Switch, despite <laughs> despite just being like interactive visuals, it has an obnoxious loading screen and it, it takes like there's a day-night cycle you can switch between that is shouldn't be that long for what's happening on screen. <laughs> yeah. So switch two, you know. I'm sure we'll have to do some sort of emergency podcast about a switch two whenever that's announced next month. Oh, and tell see me, how I'm that fits within your life and our kids' lives. But um, for for all the complaining I've just done a bunch about a bunch of uh, stuff like in Roblox and in app stores, I did want to point out that uh, Hidden Through Time Two: Miss and Magic is a game we're having a lot of fun with. What's what's happening in in your home with your your kids? I see you've written all Pokemon all the time.
0: <laughs> it's literally uh, b- b- there is one uh, other thing that's played. My, so my older my oldest child uh, is a football fanatic, um, and uh, so we had a kind of similar thing that you had with Roblox. Basically, there was a, a really quiet half term. Like, and we, we couldn't afford to not work me and my partner. So mm-hmm. my eldest was just home all the time, bored out of his mind. And like, we, we were, we felt really sorry for him. Um, so uh, we downloaded a football game for him on the iPad that, well, I say, I say we, not actually me, <laughs> but we're not going to get into that here. This is not the forum for me.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh.
0: A game was downloaded <laughs> to his iPad. It's called dream league soccer. Right. And it's like, it's basically FIFA ultimate team. So you collect your players um, you get, uh, you, you play your games and you get kind of randomized rewards. So you get like better players, you build a better team, you play more games, you bet a better team, so on so on. Eventually you've got a team full of legends, you've got a big stadium. It's all, you know, quite familiar. Um, but it's also daily challenges come back every day to get more, more coins, more gems, more this, more that, you know, um, the leagues were quite, it was it's designed like in a very, um, compelling, compulsive way. Um, and dream league soccer became a real problem. <laughs> like it became a problem because my kid's six and he's too young for it. Like he's just too young for Mm -hmm. that kind of style of game. And so we had to, you know, thankfully iPads let you do this quite easily these days, but we set like a very strict, like you can play for 20 minutes a day, um, on that particular game. And he's got other stuff he can play for like, you know, the rest of his time, but he's only allowed that one for 20 minutes and he was getting so frustrated at losing. And it's basically a numbers game. Like you just have to have the right numbers on your players. They have to have the right values and then you'll win the match. It's not really skill based at all. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, at least from what I can work out. And, uh, uh yeah so so that was a bit of an issue for a while um but it's persisted this game it's now been a feature of our lives for like more than a year because obviously it updates every time there's a roaster update my, my kids loves football every time there's like a new signing or a new season it's it like completely updates itself um and i finally now he kind of conquered that game and i managed to wean him off it and onto ea sports fc um which is the new name for fifa obviously so it's like the gold standard of soccer games But oh my God, Patrick! It's still got Ultimate Team.
1: (laughs) Well, so that's that. I was just about to ask. Like once you brought up, you know, a football game, like Ultimate Team is just sitting. That's what makes you know, (laughs) yeah, you know, video games as an industry are struggling with. They're so expensive, and they cost take so many people, and it's so long, and it's easy for them to fail. And then there's and then, ultimate yeah. team, there's which, also, is which is just a card game,
0: makes literally billions, and it's exactly the same mechanism as you know a pack of panini stickers. But you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's, uh, and the thing is, my you know, I, I buy packs of those those you know collectible football tops, cards, whatever. I buy those. I buy those for my kid. Um, but those are physical objects that you can control. Like you can't. When it comes to ultimate team, um, we have a so we have a rule just that we don't buy anything. You know, we're not paying for players. We're not paying for you know the packs. But obviously he can still earn in-game money to play for those packs. So it's like right. it's it's become basically it's like I'd love it there to be a football game that was as high quality and as realistic and as like well done. Cause I mean, you really can't touch FIFA and and, and most of the esports games actually for like the, the sheer effort that goes into creating the, the actual sports sim part of it. You know, they have teams of sports statisticians looking at like every player of it. It's really amazing how they, make, and, the, and the sports simulations that they make, I think are fantastic, genuinely. But then you have this, you can't separate it out is the thing. You can't have FIFA, but like you just can't press the ultimate team button. That's not, you know, you, you can't, you can't control it as much as I would like to, but I still think it's a little bit better than DLS. <laughs> Dream League Soccer. <laughs> I think it's still a bit better, but then the other thing that's completely taken over my home since Christmas, and I'm delighted about this is, is Pokemon. Um, I was uh, one of the OG Pokemon children. I was 11 when Pokemon, or 10, uh, mm-hmm. when Pokemon came out in uh, in the UK in, in 1999. And um, I I lived Pokemon. I loved it so much. I played it on my little Game Boy. I, it was my dream when I was 10, 11, to go to the Pokemon World Championships. So I like fully nerded out on it. Like I got Pokemon Stadium on the 64. It was really, you know, I was heavily, heavily, heavily into it for a few years there, um, but then I fell away from it as an adult because fundamentally, Pokemon are children's games. They're, they're, you know, they, they. I found that Pokemon hasn't sustained my interest as, as a grown-up because the story that they tell is essentially, um, you know, here is a, a fantasy world in which you've got self-determination. Your mum's just like a figure who says bye-bye and gives you a packed lunch, and then off you go out into the world and you have your own adventure. You know, Pokemon. <laughs> That's not real
1: life. That's not. Is that not, not how it works?
0: <laughs> but yeah, Pokemon's like. Uh, it's like Harry Potter, isn't it? Or Narnia. Like it's children's self-determination, like children having control over their own lives and children accumulating this kind of secret knowledge. Like that's all like crack when you're 10, but when you're like 18, 19, 25, yeah. So Pokemon never stayed with me, but now I'm rediscovering with my kids. And it's so nice. We played, um, Pokemon, let's go Pikachu, which is a remake of like red and blue and yellow. Um, and we finished it, which I was stunned by. Like my little one, we had the little Pokeball controller that you physically throw to catch the,
1: Oh, that sounds awesome. So
0: cute. So my my little dude, who's only four and can't use a controller, was just like every time there was a Pokemon catching moment, I just gave him the controller and he'd be there like doing the whole like, shoo, you know, chucking it at the screen. And then my older one can read and is, you know, he's pretty smart. So he was like really interested in kind of Pokemon type matchup. He now knows all that stuff. So he he started off, the older one started off kind of watching us. And then over time, as we got further into the game, it was all three of us, like one one of them on each side of me. And I would do the playing. My oldest one would do the battling and my youngest one would do the catching. And it's just been delightful. Like we caught Articuno. That's,
1: that, that's, that's really fun. It's difficult when you have kids. I know like six, seven, and four doesn't sound like a huge age difference. But oh, depending <laughs> on your familiarity, it, 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 well, in terms of like beginnings with reading, like hand-eye coordination, patience, ability to engage with like tension, frustration, failure—like that. Th- there's just Resilience. so much that happens. Yeah. Resi- like so much that happens in, uh, in that age gap, and and we run into this all the time, where the youngest, who's four, almost four, will want to engage in the collective activity, whether and you know, especially if it's a video game, and just can't, I like, just just can't. Like when we got Mario Wonder,
0: yeah, was, we, we had that. We problem. managed
1: to sidestep everyone's frustration with not being able to play peach together she was okay with playing a different character i forget which one she ended up being okay with but um but then she didn't understand how to move left to right fast enough to keep up with what was going on and then she ended up getting frustrated and not and then uh crying because she couldn't you know her older sister was (laughs) off to the races you know onto the other side of the screen so when you can find a way it's why i liked the hidden object game because everyone got a role it's like the oldest could control it the youngest could look at the screen and and feel victorious like they would participated so the fact that you're able to find roles for everybody in that activity that doesn't always happen not every game I've never had defined activities that can kind of slot in with kids at different age groups. So that's really cool that you were able to find that.
0: I've never managed it before. Like I've tried, (laughs) I think like a few few people listening to this will relate, but I've tried to kind of gently introduce games that I'm interested in, that I want to play to my kids. And it's been a complete flat disaster up until this point. Like I remember I actually originally I brought out Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu with my oldest son when it came out in 2018. So my kid was two. And he hated it so much that every time he saw Pikachu, he went no, no Pikachu for <laughs> for like a year. So I didn't expect what's happening now to to work, and uh, you know, and I, I wouldn't have expected Pokemon to be it's because it is quite a complex game, mm-hmm. you know. Like for for a four year old, it's very complex. For a seven year old, even it's you know the, the characters are cute. Like I can get why why you know lots of little kids love the TV show and so on. But like actually playing the game, I wasn't expecting really either of them to get into it this much. But we finished the whole of. Um, Let's Go Pikachu. We spent thirty hours on it. And um, Amazing. Yeah, well, that that was like an hour a night between us, maybe a couple hours at the weekend, um, for for more than a month. And it was just delightful time. And, but they were both so upset when it finished. Like my eldest was like, you know, Doctor, uh, sorry, Professor Oak turns up at the end and it's like, oh, well done, you've finally beaten the Elite Four, and this is such a testament to your bond with your Pokemon. And my eldest was like, Professor Oak's making me have emotions. <laughs> <laughs> he just couldn't handle the gravity of the, you know. And then the credits came up and I had the, the little screenshots of our adventure, and he was like in tears, like he actually couldn't handle. it.
1: Now it's time to grind these Pokemon into dust and get them to level ninety nine, exactly. kiddo. Like we I know. used to do this when is we didn't the real have work game begins. to play. The yes, real like... work
0: begins now. Like we we couldn't get Mewtwo because Mewtwo's like way over leveled in that game. And uh, yeah, they were like, "We want Mewtwo." I'm like, "Well, kids, you better spend the next ten hours." Trying <laughs> time to go to work. Up. Yeah. So we've moved on to Pokemon Shield, which is like the British. I say this in inverted commas because mm-hmm. it's not at all. But like the British uh Pokemon, and it's been really fun for me because I don't know who all the monsters are. Um. Whereas obviously in, in Let's Go Pikachu's is still stuff that I've known forever and I was right. a bit bored by the end. I was like, Oh great, another Chansey. Whereas in this one, there's all these <laughs> all these little weird creatures. And I'm like, this is it's like it's fun again because I've got my kids enjoying it. Um so yeah, Pokemon's been like wholly brilliant. It's been it has been a a bit of an obsession, but like in a good way that everybody can can participate in. So that's nice. And this is the first like successful family game time I've ever had, so there's hope. There is definitely hope for... uh, I know, like, when my kids were a bit younger, I was like, oh, my God, am I ever going to be able to make games that I want to play, like, Mm -hmm. a part of family life? Because, like, my older stepson, he had just completely different... still has completely different taste in games from me. Like, he was was seven. He was like, I want to play Counter-Strike. And I'm like, what? Uh... <laughs> These days he plays ex- he, like he plays exclusive like superhero games and first person shooters, which are both not my thing. So I was, you know, I participated in those with him. We had a good Destiny thing going for a while, but it was never like let's play Zelda together, which would be right. My...
1: Couldn't get on the exact the same page. Yeah, no, I yeah. I, I, I feel you there. Or um, Dark Souls,
0: even. I tried to get him into Dark Souls when he was about fifteen because a couple of his friends were playing it. Sure. and I, th- This was really fun because his friends came around and I'm like, hey, boys, you know what? I wrote the book on Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a book about Dark Souls in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I, my stepson was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Shut up. Stop talking to us. But um, his, <laughs> his pals thought that, you know, they, I, I had some great chats with my uh, stepson's pals when, when they were all kind of 15, 16, because they were getting into like really interesting, good games, like grown up games. And I was able to slide right. chats. But my stepson himself, just it just wasn't his taste. He wasn't into it. I mean, I kind of made him play Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> for about two hours one evening I remember being like this is a real game son sit down and see if you can get past like the first 10 minutes of Sekiro <laughs> 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 then we could <can> talk
1: <laughs> sounds like not quite
0: mm, no he, he never got into it he was amazing at Titanfall 2 though that was like that was one crossover oh, there you game go. we had but it, it's hard like apart from anything else there's um age differences ability differences but there's also taste mm-hmm. differences as they get older yep. like they just might be into completely different stuff from you even if you both like games
1: it's true uh and look i in, in our little document, I just crossed out two whole sections that we, we're going to do upcoming family games, not talking about them what are we what are <laughs> we playing right now? Well, look, parents have no time for themselves anyway, so it makes yeah, sense God, that, that we're not going to talk about those games anyway. because I, I should say like part of my goal with this podcast is to keep it like a- around an hour and so it's not that we maybe won't have those, those sections in the future the, the The rundown of what this podcast is month to month is not set in stone, but I want to respect. Parents' time, uh, or anyone else that's listening to this time, and so like the idea is to try and keep this like pretty pretty tightly compacted to an hour, and so those sections are gone. But uh, most importantly, because I wanted to get to the questions, like there's a community at Crossplay. I want to make sure that this podcast reflects like people writing in, sharing their thoughts, observations, problems, and and Kes and I can can weigh in. You can you can send a questions for uh, this mailbag to mailbag at crossplay.com. Dot News. Uh, we got one in here from uh, Anonymous. Love reading the newsletter all week, and really enjoyed the podcast with Keza. Look, that's one of our secret uh, uh, listeners, <laughs> nice subscribers to Crossplay. Uh, the back the podcast got, or back the uh, newsletter got to listen to the the test episode. Anyway, on the podcast, you mentioned offhand that your daughter will talk to her friends on Facebook Messenger. I think that's me. Uh, how do you navigate social media usage with your kiddos? Do you have a family account for shared use or does she have her own? My own kid is a few years away from that, but navigating the social aspect and online spaces is something that stresses me out, especially knowing how I socialized online as a tween slash teen.
0: Thanks in advance. <laughs> I think
1: I yeah, you know mean. <laughs> we, it's much like, what did you do in high school? And you just imagine your kids doing that and- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all going to be bad. Uh, I was bad too. Uh, but don't know what you're talking me- about, mate. I was, uh, I was a delight <laughs> <laughs> definitely did not go behind the back to the garbage dumpers of stores, find big lights that were, they were throwing away and smash them on the ground and then just leave <laughs> all that glass there. That would be a stupid thing to to do. Yep, fun. never never um, in my
0: life smoked a cigarette around the back of my school. Never, not me. No. Of course no, not. No,
1: no, 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 no. Um so yeah, my uh my daughter uh she has a Facebook Facebook Messenger has a kids dedicated app in which any uh friend requests uh have to be routed through the parent or other caregivers can be uh, added as uh so all of that is highly controlled. Um I think I get access to the transcripts if i want i don't i've never felt a need to double check that um but the like my my kid only has two neighborhood kids a cousin and then her parents uh and and she's allowed to use that and they mostly use it uh, not to text each other but it's just a voice communication tool when they're playing roblox or engaging with a different app so it's just m- much like uh as we were talking earlier where I think there's understandable angst over Roblox or any number of platforms that can, that are on their face, like scary and exploitative. Um, For a lot of kids, it's just something to do Mm -hmm. while they talk and socialize with their friends. And so we have that turned on for her. It's heavily controlled. uh, It's heavily regulated. Um, And then like she doesn't she can't use TikTok but she loves the idea of TikTok because of how you can scroll through the videos but the way that works is once we've done reading at night the last thing we do with my oldest is okay we each get to pick two videos to watch on TikTok and I but I hold the phone and I'm the one that scrolls through and so she gets the the pleasure of like the fun of a TikTok which is going through a bunch of videos really fast and being able to see, see things that are tailored to your interests Um, but she doesn't get to engage with that on a level that is beyond, Hey, I thought that was interesting. And then I have to tell her it's okay for us to sit and watch it. So that's where we're uh, at with sort of social media with our our kids at the moment.
0: Yeah. It's something that's going to become a bigger thing when, when they get older, right? Like, uh, I've already navigated that with my with my team. Um, you know, the, the idea of, like... Uh, also, the privacy thing. Like, at what point do you... Like, I had differences of opinion with his other parental figures about, like, whether we had a right to look at what he was doing on, um, you know. This I is all stuff a, that's become so yeah, complicated. At a
1: certain age, I feel like you've got to step away and... Yeah, yeah, and, I totally, and, totally agree. But the, but the technology allows you to not, <laughs> like, allow you to not do that. Like, you can be right. as... As opening you can you can be a snoop. It's like you you <laughs> want to check in the diary or like the equivalent, like technology will give you that opportunity. And I, I I'm hope I mean ask me in ten years, I guess, but I'm I'm hoping to hold fast to the idea that that the at the age of seven, I'm doing it to protect you. Yes. And to, to have like boundaries and for you not to be exploited at a certain level like at a certain age, I will have to start letting that go so that you can live your own life exactly. and, and, and develop it, that for yourself.
0: Also, make, make their own mistakes. Like as teenagers, that's something that's necessary. Like making your own mistakes is really, really important as long as they're not too catastrophic, of course, as we all know. <laughs> um, but you know, like, so my, my uh, some of the kids, um, my son's age, use, uh, FaceTime to talk to each other on their iPads because they, they they have iPads from their from their school. So they all have an iPad and they 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 a lot of them FaceTime <laughs> bless them. My kids a bit like, why would you want to do that? I've seen them all day. <laughs> Which I think is completely fair enough. Um but yeah, I think the uh, messaging apps and stuff like that is uh, thank god a few few years away from me. I'm not gonna have to navigate that.
1: Uh yeah, so I'd be curious to if you know if you want to write in what your own experiences. Uh, for anyone that's listening to the podcast, uh, please please write in let us know how you have or haven't navigated that. I think some of this is informed by what are the age groups of the kids that your your kids are interacting with, right? Like what pressures that come with uh the habits and uh, essentially like what 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 have other parents in your kids orbit allowed, but that creates additional pressure and like permission structures in your home. So uh, definitely I'm sure something we'll be revisiting and feel free to write in uh, to mailbag at crossplay.news with additional thoughts or experiences that, that you've had.
0: Shall Um, I read the next question? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. Um, This is from Sam who says, Hey, cross parents quite like that, by the way. Um, Firstly, just want to say thank you for making this episode as someone who became a new dad in September last year. I've been wondering, when is the best time to introduce gaming to your child? Not now, Sam. Just a... <laughs> 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 as a parent, did you hold your baby and a controller in your lap at 3 a.m.? I think my kid is just starting to show interest in whatever's on TV, so I'm hoping to raise a child who loves gaming as much as I did growing up. Uh, I, I played, uh, so I was up all night. I, I was nocturnal when I had small babies, um, and I was up all night playing. Uh, first time around, it was Stargy Valley and Final Fantasy Fifteen. And then a the second time around, I can't even remember. <laughs> I was so exhausted. <laughs> but yeah, I was very I think it might have been persona. Um, but I was like very much uh up in the middle of the night with a newborn baby in my arms on my lap, sleeping on my chest, playing games. Um that lasted for like a year until it felt like they might know what's happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um and at that point, obviously you have to start moderating a little bit what you're playing around them and so on. Um but like honestly, it took my kids uh well really uh, until now. So seven and four. And that's me playing games around the home, having them around, talking about them quite a lot. Obviously it's my job. So they're kind of just present in our lives. And I actually think that being a games journalist turned my kids off games because they're what mama's doing when I'm not paying attention to them. So I think they basically hated games for 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 a while. So yeah, I have talked to other parents who've had a bit more luck introducing gaming to their children, like kind of maybe four or five. But for me, it was kind of six, seven. Um, and the little ones obviously just interested in what the big ones interested in. But it can, t- and also the other thing is they might not be interested in, as we said, in the games that you're interested in. So I think we all have this idea in our head, don't we, of introducing the games we love to our kids and it's all going to be beautiful, but it might take a little bit longer than <laughs> longer than we hope sometimes.
1: Yeah, it, yeah I, a similar boat. and I think it's unique given both of our circumstances and what our career paths have been, where the games are just so normalized because I had them on all the time uh whether it was on a switch or a Steam Deck or on the TV, you know, sneaking time in with the game where I could because my free time is just so dominated between my job and being a parent that eventually it kind of became white noise for the kids. Mm. It, it wasn't special or interesting that, ooh, a video game was on the TV because what that's what dad's doing all the time. This is why, you know, my I have to explain to my kids teachers that I don't play video like Like, my dad's a gamer. No, I I mean, sure, if you want to (laughs) use that term, that's I don't like that term necessarily, but that's no, your dad is a a journalist sometimes. Now he's more of like a personality. It's weird. Dad's job is very strange. Don't, don't, but don't call him, (laughs) don't don't look at it just a gamer. Um, but uh, so really, like, the kids haven't really picked up on it too much. I had a funny moment playing, um, the latest Final Fantasy game when that came out, and my like, the way we handled. Uh, swear words, curse words in the house was uh, our pediatrician had said to us. You got two options in front of you: never say them again, or say them all the time, and your kids won't pick up on it until they're old enough to have a conversation about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to say them all the time, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and so so we did, and that is that has worked for both of our kids. Where um, you know the the, the, the theory being. That your kids will start to pick up on when you say something that you weren't supposed to say, and then they get curious about something that you they perceive as a mistake because you as a parent perceive it as a mistake. Whereas if you're just saying a bunch of words and then a swear word fits in it, it doesn't stand out. So that we went along with that line of thinking. But then I was playing the latest Final Fantasy, and like one of the notable things about that is just dropping f-bombs left sweary. and right in that Such game a swear-
0: i was like my goodness like i was almost like i'm yeah, right? Like, well, so i'm not easily little... appalled <laughs> but, but nonetheless yeah, i
1: feel felt a little edge lordy like ooh, yeah, the path like to being mature fantasy. is
0: this what we're doing is there?
1: saying the f-word all the time like i'm not precious again i'm not precious about it. I swear in front of my kids and yet uh i finally had to turn the game off because my oldest was like are you going to keep playing this game where they swear all the time? And I was like, all right, you've noticed it. Yeah, fair to turn it enough. Off. Yeah. Dad'll <laughs> play this another time when you're, when you're not paying attention or are asleep. Um, so, <laughs> um, so for me, you know, I, I played, uh, I remember playing a lot of uh, the Witcher three expansions when my uh, oldest was born, because I finally had the time where I could give my wife a break, um, take a nap, and the kids just sleep so much in those first couple of months. That's all they do um, really,
0: isn't it? Although it doesn't feel like it at the time. It doesn't feel like it it's doesn't, all they do.
1: Um, but, uh, you know, it's like my wife was breastfeeding, so there wasn't much I could do on the feeding part. And so it was just when they were sleeping for long periods of time, I could hold the child. And I would frequently played a lot of uh, Witcher, uh, which is what I did. Um, so... Uh, so, yeah, so please write in with additional questions. We'd love to get to more of these whenever we do uh, this podcast. Like I said, you can write in at mailbag at uh, crossplay.news. Uh, um, but that's going to bring us – look, I saw it hit the hour mark. I was like, maybe we'll do one more question. No, stick <laughs> to the plan. Respect Patrick. the listener's oh,
0: time, Patrick.
1: I'm trying to. I'm trying to respect your time, my time, <laughs> the listener's time. But before I do this outro, I did uh, you know want to mention, I believe I saw it come across – social media or my email i don't but like you're you're writing a book yeah um you can talk you can talk about it what can you people what can you tell people about the book that you've been working on will be working on
0: yeah so i've been working on a book for years actually um but it's only come together really in the last six months anyway it's called super nintendo and it is a cultural history of nintendo it's about what video games do for us why they make us happy and why nintendo has been the most long-lived and consistently successful games company that's ever been. So if you are a Nintendo fan, it will be full of like really cool quote development stories. I went to Nintendo HQ um a few months ago which nobody does like that
1: never i was beside myself um yeah you got to interview miyamoto right I believe that's I saw right a piece in the in the guardian like you you do the thing that i always see that uh, uh bloomberg reporter jason schreier is like oh i see that your book reporting is leaking into your <laughs> real life uh reporting uh yep <laughs> which very is always very useful to double which up always, yeah <laughs> always, always fun makes me laugh um, so yeah i I've interviewed Mimoto
0: um, over the last kind of you know twenty years I've been doing this. I've interviewed loads and loads of Nintendo creatives, and so all of that experience is in there. So if you're a Nintendo fan, you will find a lot of like cool details about Nintendo and about the games that you wouldn't already know um but I think that if you're uh, if you're into video games at all, um the book has something to say about like what they do for us and why why we love them um and why we play as humans and uh yeah, so it's it's kind of a cultural history. And uh, I'm really excited. Actually, I've been uh, working on it. I took a month off my day job to to work on it in in January. So it's it's kind of halfway there now, and it's it's come along nicely. And I'm really proud of it so far. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not coming out until uh, maybe even early 2026 because book publishing is slow. Um, but as, <laughs> as soon as it's available to actually like click a button and pre order or whatever, I'll be shouting about it all the time. In the meantime, I'll have absolutely no life until until this book is done.
1: <laughs> I yeah I. Uh... I do not envy you. I have specifically turned down any and all book opportunities <laughs> uh, since I had kids because I just can't, I cannot fathom balancing all of that. Uh, and so I'm, just I'm, an I'm deeply uh, jealous of your ability to to <laughs> juggle all that and and pull it off. Um, one, The way I've told myself is one day my children won't want to hang out with me and maybe that's when I'll want to write a book. Uh, you need something I, else I, in your
0: I, life to fill the hole left by exactly, the constant, constant, exactly. constant but attention I, of your children.
1: But part, other than giving it a chance to uh, to chat about what you're, what you're working on, I think probably will be a through line. It's a through line of cross play. It's a through line of our own lives uh, with games. And I think it'll be a through line of this podcast is Nintendo. And yeah. and, and the way that uh, they uh, don't just make games experiences uh, for any particular age group they they managed to to really straddle this line that is is really fascinating and and i my guess is we're going to be unpacking them as a company quite a bit um as we as we do these episodes of of the podcast Um, so uh yeah uh look hopefully if look, if we're still doing this podcast, if cosplay is still a thing in early 2026, like My way to go, open, Patrick! Pal. This is <laughs> me telling m- me congratulations in the future, buddy. Like, Excellent. kept doing it that long, so. um <laughs> Thank you for listening to this brand new episode of of Spawn Point. If you have a moment, please leave a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help us find new people for Spawn Point for crossplay. Um, My thanks to artist Luke Schuler who created the incredible logos for both Spawn Point and crossplay that are debuting alongside with this podcast. You can follow Luke's work at lukospicturehouse.com. That's L-U-K-O-S picturehouse.com. And my thanks to uh, composer Alex Mogi Grumbles Tam, uh, for providing the theme music for Spawn Point. Uh, you can follow his work over at mogeygrumbles.bandcamp.com. That's M-O-G-I grumbles.bandcamp.com. Ken Crossplay is entirely reader supported. You can find lots of free articles uh, by signing up over at crossplay.news. All of my reporting is always free. And then kind of stories about navigating kids, both wanting to be Princess Peach and Super Mario wonder because for some reason nintendo as much as they make games for everyone will just not let people be the same character in the same (laughs) game despite letting you do that in mario kart give her a pink dress give her a blue dress just make us do it twice some options Nintendo, please like i'll pay you 7.99 a month (laughs) for the chance to be as princess peach twice uh if you subscribe become a backer over at, at crossplay you get access to posts like that. You also get early access, ad free versions of Spawn Point podcasts, and uh, also access to a Discord community of uh, folks uh, uh, that uh, follow and back Crossplay. You can follow my work across all the cursed social platforms, including X <laughs> uh, at Patrick Klupek. Uh, Keza, where can people follow what you're up to?
0: You can still, unfortunately, find me at the website formerly known as Twitter um, at Keza McDonald's. Uh, you can also find like everything we do on The Guardian uh, under games is is me. Um, I have my weekly uh, newsletter there, which is called Pushing Buttons. If you search that, it will come up. You get a little weekly dose of, uh, I would say, very uh, grown-up oriented video game reporting and criticism every week from there.
1: Uh, so this uh, podcast where Kez and I uh, talk, the, uh, the uh, idea right now is this will be something that happens kind of once a month, um, but there will be other things happening in this feed. Um, I'm hoping uh, in the future to start taking some of the interviews that I'm doing, record those, turn them into articles, features, but also they will show up here. And so I don't know that I would say there's going to be something here once a week, but my hope is there is at least something twice a month and we'll see how I can balance that going forward. The next thing that you'll hear in this feed is actually an interview with That Game Company's Genova Chen, perhaps best known to a lot of people as a designer on uh, really noble games like Flower and Journey. Um, And maybe the reason you haven't heard their name that much recently is because they've spent the better part of the last 10 years working on this really ambitious multiplayer game called sky that is targeted uh, more at younger audiences. And so I've known Genova for a very long time. Uh, It was a blast to chat with, with him and we, we focused our attention really on what it's like to, to do mass scale moderation. How do you deal with abuse, harassment, stalking? Um, How do you deal with parents wanting to know what their kids are up to in a game when you actually have that data, but you're not sure what you should or shouldn't be handing over uh, to caregivers, to parents. and so we talk a lot about how you handle that as a parent, uh, which Genova is as well and as a game designer. So it's a really fascinating conversation that'll be coming up next on the feed, but until next time. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please give us your feedback. Let us know what you thought, uh, what we can do in the future. Uh, but until next time, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening.